On today's story session, a tale about the most toxic relationship in fairy tale history. This is The Summer and the Winter Garden, the original version of Beauty and the Beast. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folk tales and fairy tales used to be, which in my opinion just made them way better, so we're going through the original versions of Grimm's fairy tales story by story. Figure out the intended lessons and the actual lessons of each story, and afterwards I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. So let's get right to it with today's tale titled The Summer and the Winter Garden, which was the original version of the story that we all know and love, well, some of us love, some of us are have mixed feelings about it, Beauty and the Beast. We begin. A merchant wanted to go to a fair and asked his three daughters what he should bring back for them. The eldest said, a beautiful dress. The second, a pair of pretty shoes. The third, a rose. But it was difficult to find a rose because it was midwinter. However, since the youngest was the most beautiful daughter and was so extremely fond of flowers, the father replied that he would see whether he could find a rose and would make every effort to do so. Huh. Nothing terribly out of the ordinary so far. Usually by this point someone is already getting blackmailed or making impossible promises. But it says that he's making such an effort because the youngest is the most beautiful which is kind of sad. It implies that if one of his other uglier daughters were asking for something like this, he would be like, ah, can't be bothered. We continue. When the merchant was returning home after the fair, he carried a splendid dress for the eldest and a pair of beautiful shoes for the second daughter. But he hadn't been able to obtain a rose for the youngest daughter. Each time he had entered a garden and had asked for a rose, the people had made fun of him and asked him whether he really believed that roses grew in snow. That's pretty rude of people to make fun of the guy. He's just trying to bring his daughter a gift. But I guess this town full of assholes doesn't understand. He was very sorry about that, and as he was pondering whether there might be something that he could bring home for his favorite child, he reached a castle, and there was a garden on one side in which it was half summer and half winter. On one side, the most beautiful small and large flowers were blooming, and on the other side, everything was bare, and deep snow lay on the ground. This is fucking cool. The man got off his horse, and since he noticed an entire hedge full of roses on the summer side, he was glad and went over there. Then he plucked a rose, got on his horse, and began riding away. He had ridden only a short distance when he heard something running behind him and panting, so he turned around and saw a large black beast that shouted, Return my rose to me, or I'll kill you! Return my rose to me, or I'll kill you! That is terrifying. The man replied, Please, let me keep the rose. I'm supposed to bring it to my daughter. She is the most beautiful maiden in the world. Oh, no. Oh, no. I see exactly where this is going. If you like, replied the beast, but in exchange, I want you to give me your beautiful daughter... As my wife. Yep, knew it. In order to get rid of the beast, the man said yes. The fuck? And thought he wouldn't come and demand his daughter. But the beast yelled after him, I'm coming to fetch my bride in one week. 
Fucking hell, Dad. What is wrong with these folktale dads? Just give the beast the rose back. That was an option. I think your daughter would prefer to just not get a rose today, which would just wilt and die in a week or two anyway, than to be sent away to live forever with an insane, flower-obsessed, literal beast. (laughs) This father is literally trading away his daughter for a single fucking rose. The story is like, he didn't think the beast would actually come to get the daughter. Why the fuck not? Why wouldn't he? This is an unbelievably good deal for the beast. A single flower from his garden, which grows amazing everything all the time. For the most beautiful girl in the world? Why would the dad be like, ah, he won't show up. It'll be fine. Man, however... The dad could just give the beast bad directions, right? So he won't be able to find their house. But then he won't be able to pass by this castle ever again. But then again, that shouldn't really be a problem. They kind of make it seem like he'd never seen this castle with a crazy two-season garden before. So, I mean, he'd just remember it if he had. That's a pretty memorable thing. Even if this means he can never go to town again, he should just get home and be like, All right, I made a mistake. We gotta pack up and move far away to another town. Otherwise, a beast is coming to take your sister. My bad. I put my hands up on this one. Poor judgment call on my end. That's on me. But now, we gotta go. (laughs) Fucking hell. These folktale dads, I'm telling you. If this beast just coincidentally turns out to be a fucking prince... Ugh. And we know this is where this is going. This is but this is bullshit. This is utter bullshit. I mean, it'll be good for the poor innocent daughter, but these dads just keep making horrible decisions that just end up working out for everyone out of sheer luck. There's no consequences. All right, I'm getting I'm getting distracted again. We continue. Now, the merchant brought each one of his daughters what she had wished. All of them were delighted, and the youngest daughter was the most pleased by the rose. After a week had passed... Wait, he didn't tell them? After a week had passed? Come on, Dad, at least give him a heads up about the literal monster that's coming to kidnap one of them. These folktale dads, Jesus. After a week had passed, the three sisters were sitting at the dinner table, when all of a sudden someone with heavy footsteps came up the stairs and knocked at the door. Open up, open up, he yelled. This is, this is utterly terrifying. So they opened the door, but they were truly horrified when a large black beast entered. Since my bride didn't come and the time is up, I've come to fetch her myself. Man, how did he find their house? You gotta try something. The dad should be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have a twin brother. It must have been him you made a deal with. He moved away a couple days ago. It was a surprise to us all, but good luck finding him. Goodbye. I don't know. Come up with something, Dad. You you caused the situation. Just think on your feet here. Upon saying that, he went up to the youngest daughter and grabbed her. She began to scream, but that didn't help at all. She had to go off with him, and when her father came home... He found that his dearest child had been kidnapped. The dad wasn't even there? Oh my god, that makes it so much worse. He didn't even warn his daughters about this situation. So, that horrifying scene 
where the beast grabbed the girl and dragged her out of the house happened out of fucking nowhere. That was a total surprise to these poor girls. That is, that is awful. If he'd warned them, then they could have, they could have hid somewhere. At least they could have prepared themselves with weapons. They could have just gone full home alone and booby trapped the house, or they could have all gone like to a friend's house that day. Or something, so no, so nobody would have been there when the beast showed up. But no, the dad left them completely helpless. Uh, you know, I don't know if the dad can even say the monster quote-unquote kidnapped his daughter at this point. He made that horrible deal to give his daughter away and then did absolutely nothing to try to prevent it. At that point... That's entirely on you, Dad. You just traded away your daughter. No one's kidnapping anyone. You traded away your daughter. You are a shitty dad and a terrible person. You suck. My God, these fathers are so frustrating (laughs) in these stories. Uh, Meanwhile, the Black Beast carried the beautiful maiden into his castle, which was quite wonderful and beautiful. There were musicians who had begun playing, and below was the garden that was half summer and half winter, and the beast did everything to make her feel comfortable, and one could read from her eyes how pleased she was. Whoa, what? So, so she's into it now? Then again, it's saying one could, quote, read from her eyes how pleased she was. That sounds like some asshole man shit, just being like, she's playing hard to get, but I can tell she likes me. Nah, uh uh-uh. Nah, bro, you took her against her will by trading her for a flower with her father as the middleman. I don't really trust your judgment and nuanced reading of social cues on this one, beast. You're gonna need some, some real clear consent that she's on board here for anyone to feel good about this relationship. And even then... Probably just Stockholm Syndrome, so still won't feel great about it. We continue. They ate together, and she had to ladle out the food for him. Otherwise, he wouldn't eat. What? Well, that that just sounds like blatant emotional manipulation. He's, He's refusing to eat unless she ladles his food for him. He's making her feel like she's helping him and that he depends on her. He's tricking her into codependency here. Well, this... This folktale is toxic as fuck. My god. The beast thought she was precious, and eventually, she became very fond of the beast. Well, yeah, she's gone full Stockholm Syndrome now. Guys, this this is after imprisonment and emotional and psychological manipulation and abuse. She has essentially been brainwashed. We continue. One day she said to him, I've become very anxious, and I don't know why, but I feel, I, I can think of a few reasons why she should be feeling very anxious, but I feel as though my father were ill, or that perhaps one of my sisters is sick. Couldn't I see them just one time? So the beast led her to a mirror, and said, look into the mirror, and when she looked into the mirror, it was as if she were at home. She saw her room and her father, who was really sick from heartbreak. Indeed, he felt guilty that a wild beast had kidnapped his daughter. Again, not kidnapped, you traded her. And had probably been devoured by him. Ugh. Yeah, the beast didn't kidnap her. He traded her for a fucking flower. That is on you, man. And you know what? 
Good. I'm glad that Dad feels guilty. He deserves it. However, is this just a vision in this mirror, or is it actually like a portal window showing her what's actually going on in her house? Because that is some pretty crazy magic that we should be exploring, if so. I'm sure we won't. I'm sure we won't explore this, but in any event, whether it's a dream or a visual portal is unclear. We continue. If he had known how well she was, he wouldn't have been so depressed. It's Stockholm Syndrome. Guys, that doesn't count. She's not well. She was his prisoner. The story sets a terrifying example for so many fucked up, horrible, toxic relationships. My god. Obviously, this is the basis for Beauty and the Beast. And yeah, that shit is problematic. Uh, she also saw her two sisters at the father's bedside, and they were weeping. All this troubled her heart, and she asked the beast whether he might let her return home for several days. Alright, the fact that she has to, like, ask to be able to go home to see her dying family is a huge indicator that she is not well. This is not okay. This is not a successful, happy relationship. Uh the beast replied, go to your father, but promise me that you'll return within one week. She promised him, and as she was leaving, he called after her, don't stay any longer than one week. See, he's, he is still controlling her behavior, even when they're apart. He's telling her where she can go and how long she can be there. This is obviously not a healthy relationship. If this were a normal relationship and like a guy was yelling this after his his girlfriend as she was like driving away or someone like don't stay any longer than a week like that would be horrifying when she returned home her father rejoiced that he was able to see her one more time but the illness and the sorrow had eaten away at his heart too much consequently he couldn't regain his health and died after a couple of days my god, he died of grief even after finding out that she was okay? I feel like there's something else going on there, right? Like, maybe maybe grief is just a euphemism for alcohol? Like, alcoholism? Maybe he became an alcoholic when she left, and that destroyed his body or something. Either way, yikes, this is bleak. So, his daughter couldn't think of anything else due to her grief, and before her father was buried, she went to his corpse and wept with her sisters, and they consoled each other. Finally, when she thought about her dear beast once again, more than a week had gone by. So she wasn't even thinking about the beast or missing him at all. Yeah, that's the Stockholm Syndrome lifting. Stay gone, lady. Save yourself and never go back and just hope he doesn't come after you. My goodness. All of a sudden, she became really anxious and she felt as if she were also sick. And she immediately set out and went directly to his castle. Oh my god. This... That is so sad. This is such a fucked up relationship. This codependency is insane. Knowing that she disobeyed him, she felt extremely anxious and felt that he was ill without her there. There are so many red flags flashing all over the place here. This is... I can't even begin. She needs to stay with her family and her sisters and get deprogrammed. If the beast is ill without her there, then good. I hope he dies. It would be a blessing for 
everyone. We continue. When she arrived there, once again, the castle was completely silent and sad. The musicians weren't playing, and everything was draped in black. The garden was now completely winter and covered by snow. And when she went to look for the beast, he was gone. Huh. She searched all over the place, but she couldn't find him. Now she was doubly distressed and didn't know how to console herself. Hey, if this guy's gone, good. Take it as a blessing. Sadly, she went into the garden and saw a heap of cabbage heads. Mm. The ones at the top were already old and rotten. She spread them around. Why? Why would she see a pile of rotten cabbage heads and want to grab them and spread them around? She sees a big compost heap and is like, hmm, want to get my hands in there? Fucking weird. She spread them around, and when she had turned over a few, she saw her dear beast, who had been lying under them. (laughs) Oh, and he was dead. And he was dead. (laughs) Oh my god. Quickly, she fetched some water and continually poured water all over him. What? Why? All of a sudden, he jumped up, and the musicians immediately began playing again. (laughs) So the musicians were still there? So... So when she got back, they were just, like, sitting there glaring at her in silence. The hell is this about? Couldn't she have asked them where the beast was and what was going on? Couldn't they have helped the beast? I don't I don't even know here. All right, well, the, mus- the musicians immediately began playing. The summer side of the garden became splendid again. The black drapes were torn down, and they lived happily ever after. The end. And here we go with another bullshit ending. First off, fuck this toxic, abusive prince beast here. Why did he lay down under a pile of rotten cabbages? Was he punishing her? Because that's what it looks like. He was just being dramatic and trying to make her feel bad. You didn't have to lie under rotten cabbages, asshole. That's just, that's just a theatrical flourish on your part, to make her feel worse. To make her feel worse for just not coming back in exactly a week. Man, fuck you. Because again, that is, I don't need to say it. I've said it so many times. Super toxic behavior. She stayed longer than a week and he pretends to be hurt and dead. And is essentially saying, look what you did. That is so emotionally abusive. It is insane. It is psychopathic. This guy is red flag city. And why did she... Pour a bunch of water on him. Why would she think that would do anything whatsoever? That's not a common response to finding a dead person pouring water on him. And then why does he turn into a prince after that? How did that work? Was there a spell? How did that break the spell? Did she need to disobey him and then him do the whole dead cabbage trip? What the fuck is the reason for literally anything in this third act? (laughs) Fuck this story. Fuck the whole damn thing. There's no reason for this to work out. It should should have ended with her finding him dead in the pile of cabbages. If he needed her after a week, first off, he shouldn't need her. Because he's got a castle and servants and is a grown fucking human being who should be able to take care of himself. And this is just all emotional and psychological manipulation to keep her under his control. He was fine. He was surviving fine without her, but now apparently he needs her desperately. But putting all of that aside, 
<laughs> he could have just gone to her house after a week and been like, hey, are you going to come back soon, honey? But no, he knows. He knows where she used to live. He could have done that. But no, I, I mean, her father literally died, you know? But no, the beast still needs to be the center of attention and the only the only thing she's focusing on. And so he needs to be all dramatic. So he pulled the rotten cabbage stunt to make her feel guilty. Man, I bet now she's going to be like, don't worry, I'll never leave you again. Fuck this abusive asshole. The sisters, the sisters should kill him. And they should all just take over his castle. And also take over the band of musicians that seems to live there, but won't help keep the beast alive for unknown reasons. Their responsibilities are purely music-based. And they refuse to do anything other than enhancing the emotion of whatever happens to be going on. The Beast has essentially hired an orchestra to provide a real-life musical score to his daily life. My god. Alright, it's clear now, though. This Beast is just the most dramatic, over-the-top, theatrical diva of any fairy tale thus far. He wants to live in a soap opera, basically. She leaves, he's like, oh, I can't survive without you. You know what? If he's living in a soap opera, he's definitely the villain of the soap opera, not the hero. Oof. Dublin back, though, we know the Beast intentionally didn't eat and pulled the whole rotten cabbage stunt just to make her feel bad. So we can't blame the musicians for not helping or feeding him because the Beast definitely told them not to. He's like, nah, this is, this is the plan all along. I gotta make her feel bad. So in summation, fuck this guy. <laughs> and fuck Beauty and the Beast, too. I feel like I've made all of the lessons to take away from this story pretty clear just in the initial read-through. Be aware of romantic partners, whether they're men or women, who pull emotionally abusive and manipulative stunts and use tactics like this. That is abuse. This is not a romantic love story. If anyone exhibits any of this behavior, they're not a beast with a lovely, kind-hearted prince or princess inside. They are a monster and a psychopath, and they do not care about your well-being, only about your devotion to them. So you should run away as fast as you possibly can. All right, let's adapt this thing. So, whew, okay, so this one's going to be a movie, and it'll be modern day, and you bet your ass it's going to be a revenge movie. After how, after how worked up I am about this shit, we'll have a father and a daughter, and the daughter will be played by... Karen Gillan from Doctor Who and Marvel and the Jumanji and all that stuff. And the father will be played by J.K. Simmons. And J.K. Simmons is like this business type who, who works at a big finance company or something. And one day he's like, there's a guy at my company who I think you might like. And she's like, I don't care, Dad. I'm focused on my work. I'm a chef who runs a big catering company and it takes enough of my time. No time for men. But one day... Karen Gillan comes to her dad's office to, to pick him up before they have dinner or something. And she meets the guy who's played by Zac Efron. And he's very charming and handsome. And she agrees to go out with him. And things go well. And they start dating. And then he starts asking her for favors. Just the occasional thing. But then more and more. And then he's like, I'm going to invest in your catering company. And he says he wants to because he believes in her. But before she knows it, their lives are very much intertwined. And they're kind of dependent on each other. And he's very much made her feel like he depends on her. Just like the Beast. And then one day, 
when they're on vacation or something, she sees some message pop up on his phone, which, which he left out. And it's an email titled, Reply to Offer of Sale of the Karen Gillen Catering Company. And she manages to open his phone and sees that when he invested in her company, he essentially just took control and is now trying to sell it away from her. And she also sees all these messages between him and his bro friends about her. And he's just bragging about how much, how much she does for him and how in control of her he is. And all at once... She sees all of the emotional and psychological manipulation he's been doing. And so the third act is just her taking revenge on him. Now let's say she's got sisters too. So she turns the tables and her and her sisters work together to just totally fuck with Zac Efron. <laughs> like one, one of the sisters who he doesn't know pretends to be into him and just toys with him using, using all the same tactics he used. And another of the sisters is like a hacker and gets into his accounts and his finances and just wreaks havoc. And the hacker sister also sees that he's essentially been doing this to women for years, seducing them and, and taking advantage of them and robbing them blind. And at some point, Zac Efron figures out what's going on, and he tries to take them all down, and maybe he maybe even kidnaps one of the sisters. But in a final confrontation between Karen Gillan and Zac Efron, she, she proves he's got no power over her and reveals that they've drained all his accounts and given the money to all of the women he's screwed over in the past. And maybe these women all send, like, video messages or something to rub it in. And Karen Gillan plays the messages when she reveals what they've done. And so we see Karen and her sisters just totally fuck with and destroy this terrible, toxic, manipulative con man. And they reveal his crimes and leave him ruined and destitute in, let's say, a Siberian prison. Because why not? And Karen and the sisters all live happily ever after the... And short, sweet, and vengeful. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next time for a story titled Jorinda and Joringel. Wasn't aware that either of those were names. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're code words for something. I don't know. This is very mysterious, and we'll find out next time. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.